0: I'm having a fun text dialectic with my goddaughter and we're on the subject of Donald Trump, you know. Um the my dialectics and these YouTube episodes and my podcast episodes before this are not really guided by what I feel like talking about. Uh they are dictated by whatever comes across my desk, you know I don't decide what to talk about in um, these YouTube episodes. Other people decide for me. You know, they—it's all incoming. They give me ideas. You know, if somebody is going, if sends me tomorrow, sends me a text uh, giving an opinion on Mickey Mouse, I'll make a, an episode about Mickey Mouse. You know. But uh, my goddaughter has sent me texts about Donald Trump. Look, she's interested in Donald Trump, and he's a matter of cu- uh, curiosity, if nothing else. There's, there's no doubt about that, you know. And uh, we set up a little... Oh, I've set up a little scenario in um, our texts just now. There's too many texts to go through. Uh, in which... let's ama- Because it's all about executive orders at the moment. He's signing a lot of executive orders. Well, he has been signing quite a lot of those right through his presidency. I'm not sure that our Governor-General has signed many <laughs> in in our entire 120-year history here in Australia. Uh, it's a different system, but you know, I think the Governor-General really has only done one thing in 120 years, you know, and I think that's fantastic, you know. But Donald Trump signs a lot of these executive orders, I've chatted about that before, and he's absolutely allowed to, and my goddaughter made that point. It's not against the rules, you know. And, uh, and you know, in the same way I suggested back that it's not against the rules for Dr. Abbey, uh, the uh, Prime Minister of Ethiopia, to keep Ethiopia in a permanent state of emergency and hand himself extra powers. It's not against the rules, it's in there. All you need to have is an emergency, and Ethiopia is in a constant state of emergency, arguably. See, it only has to be arguably. It doesn't have to be true. And Donald Trump, you know, he can declare thing after thing after thing an emergency, because really, our existence is a constant state of emergency. It really is. It always is, you know. Um we're always living at the very edge of collapse. Yeah. You know, we know this. You know, we were just moseying along fine in the fine in the nineteen eighties and then we had a huge economic crash, you know. And uh, even more recently, you know, whenever that global financial crunch happened, you know? Cruising along, get, grabbing a coffee, you know? Down in my coffee strip, and pick up the paper. Global financial crunch, oh! You know? And that could have turned into, you know, Lehman Brothers collapses, you know? So, there's always emergencies, there's always a threat. There's always a threat, a huge threat, from somewhere. Anyway, so we got on to these emergency executive orders that Donald Trump signs very frequently. And he's signed one overnight. I've got no idea what it's about because I clicked on the little thing. And it was, you know, whatever it was, it was hidden behind a paywall. Damned Herald Sun, you know. Uh, I block most of those news outlets, but some of them get through. Um... And uh, I'm on a new phone, so I'm starting again on that. Um, anyway, so, uh, so he, yeah, Donald Trump bypasses Congress, and of course, he's he's allowed to, you know, just like Dr. Abbey is allowed to declare states of emergency. He's got one on foot at the moment, or if he hasn't, he's just ended it because he put it in place not long ago, and you shouldn't criticise Dr Abbey for putting Ethiopia into a state of emergency and shutting the internet down because the Constitution allows for it. And if he's allowed to do it, so, you know, he's got that power, let him. You know, and and Donald Trump's got that power too. And, um, he's got the power to press the button as well, you know. Uh, But, yeah, that's... For another episode, when I have fun talking about mushroom clouds. <laughs> now, nah, speaking of which, I was listening to a podcast. Dan Carlin, I love him. I wish I, I wish I was him. <laughs> no, I don't, because he's American. But um, and he's passionate about America, which I, I am obviously not. Yeah. Um, I take an interest, but only because it comes across my desk. If I didn't get so many texts about America, I would never talk about it. I'd probably talk about England a lot more. America is dominating my episodes a little too much, more than it should. You know, in my natural state, I tend to naturally talk about England more. You know, because it interests me more. I like England. Um. I like the French Revolution. I enjoy thinking about that one. There's a few things I enjoy, but anyway, I end up talking about America because everyone else is. Um. So we set up a scenario. My goddaughter and I. Well, I did really on this occasion. She sets up scenarios all the time too, in which um, okay, let's just say that Donald Trump, uh makes all the right calls. You know, just this hypothetical situation. Uh, scenario, where, in the next, yeah, he gets a, a voted in, in November, and for the next four years and four months, he makes all the right executive order calls, you yeah? um, know, and um, he makes a lot of them, over the next four years and four months, um, and you end up with, at the end of that four years and four months, a a new process, really, because a a bureaucracy builds itself around whatever the political habits of a country are, I think. Um, So let's say Donald Trump just, you know, everyone knows that there's a big decision to be made. You know, five years ago, that would have automatically been have been made by Congress. Look, let's say America has got an external threat of war. You know, fifty years ago, that would have gone straight to Congress, and they would have debated whether to go or not. You know? but more recently, that's gone straight to the president, and he decides unilaterally and tells Congress afterwards. You know, so is that a good thing? That America has gone from that state of affairs to this state of affairs? Jury's out yeah you know, it's not like um things were going so swimmingly back in the old days when Congress was making a lot more calls than the President was. you know, I do seem to recall a civil war and um and thousands upon thousands of young boys, young American boys getting killed in war after war after war, you know especially World War One and World War two, you know. Um, so you know, wasn't that great, was it, you know, before? And you know, and, and now more recently, the president of America, of America, whoever that president is, has been making the decisions as to whether we go to war or not. You know, um, you know and we're talking. You know, increasingly the president has had a more unilateral, lateral call on that. If you start with the Korean and then go through to the Vietnam War and then Iraq and Afghanistan and all that sort of stuff. Um, Do you know, I've heard that none of those were official wars. You can check that out yourself, but they're kind of um, police, they were all police operations, technically. The Vietnam War wasn't a Vietnam War. Yeah, war, I think, was never declared. The last war that was declared was World War Two, and I think all those others have been, been police operations. And I think there's a very smart reason for that. Um, like we, we tend to call them wars because they they looked a lot like wars, didn't they? Um, and the Vietnam War, for example, was uh, is referred to by the Vietnamese as the American War. You know that sort of thing. Um, what's in a name? You know, just because you call it a war doesn't mean it's a war. And the reason for that is the declaration of something as a war since nuclear. Power has come to, you know, has come into the game since the bomb, since Hiroshima, seventy-five years ago, plus about five days. Um, war, it will be very difficult uh, for all the players around the world to have a war, a proper declared war, without actually starting to use nuclear bombs. You yeah, know, there's reasons for that, apparently. Uh, so what, everything has to be a skirmish, you know, well, it's not a war, you know. And, and we had a fantastic example of that recently, because it's too scary to go to war. So when you want to actually um, have a a Barney with someone else, you have to just call it a skirmish, basically, you know. Or a police operation, essentially, you know, an international policing operation, you know. Like, And I think our soldiers have had that feeling, you know. We feel like policemen over there in Afghanistan or Iraq, you know, and it felt like that. And even in the Vietnam War, a lot of the time, you know, the American soldiers felt like they were patrolling the streets like policemen. Um, um, but that's a whole other story. Um, so, um, anyway, so it's come to pass, yes, that presidents in America, well, not only do they get to declare war, but, well, Increasingly, they get to make all sorts of other decisions that used to be made by Congress. Now, as to whether that's a good idea or a bad idea, the jury's out. You know, that's the dialectic we're having it on at the moment. You know, who makes the better decisions? The president, a single person, you know, or a Congress? You know? One fool or 150 fools? You know, Does a committee always get it right? Well, no. You know, sometimes one person does get it. Make come up with a better result. You know, get a committee to write a Mozart symphony, and it'll be nowhere near as good as a Mozart symphony. You know, so there's that. Um, anyway, so we got that scenario going where we said, look, let's imagine Donald Trump is making all the right calls counterintuitively. You know, and I happen to think that he was, um, even though it was counterintuitive, he seemed to be saying all the wrong things and. Doing the exact opposite um, of what common sense would dictate. This is before the coronavirus came along, COVID nineteen. Um, but he, you know, I think, um, I think, <laughs> very strangely, it was working. You know, like he just picked up the phone to, you know, baby pig. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say that. Um, what's his name? King Jong Un. Look at that, right? Kim Jong Un over uh, in North Korea, and um, and uh, president after president after president before that couldn't even talk to him. And Donald Trump got elected, voted in, you know, and he would have been briefed, you know, well, we've got this very, you know, uh, uh, difficult standoff happening with North Korea. The important thing is never to um, be seen to be uh, talking to Kim Jong-un because it's all delicate diplomacy and all that sort of stuff, you know? And then Donald Trump went, really? All right, Shh. Kimmy, <laughs> how's things? <laughs> and they just picked up the phone. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And I thought, nuclear bomb coming? And we all waited. No bombs came. Donald Trump said. I, mean, I thought you said it was really hard, you know, this business being a president. Got any other decisions I can make? Yeah. Um. Anyway, and he and he has been making those sorts of decisions ever since. You know, blah blah blah. We got a problem in you know, Minnesota. Yeah, Minneapolis. Sorry. Um. Yeah. Black Lives Matter. Really yeah but it's delicate you know let the governor take care of it um it's all, there's a lot of things going on all the way back to slavery racism all sorts of things um so you know and even back to ancient roman times you try not to send the army onto the streets in your own country and all that sort of stuff it's hugely delicate um you know you we can't you know um rock the system um just let the governor take care of it and the police will be in there And uh, Donald Trump said, really, Minneapolis? I like Minneapolis. Send the army in. The National Guard, you know. Am I in charge of those guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, all right, send them in. They'll sort it out. And he sent them in. (laughs) It's terrible, it's fantastic. You know, Um, so this is Donald Trump, you know, his style. And, and this appeals to a lot of people. And if you're anti Donald Trump, you should be, you know you should be, not you know, don't you know I don't know whether it's um, having the right effect to get onto um, social media and make memes about what a farce all this is. You know, or, or maybe you feel so impotent that that's all you can do. You know, because you feel powerful on social media when you poke fun at every decision. Donald Trump makes and, you know, you make all these terribly witty little posts and memes um, and, but the effect of all of those is it just makes him stronger, you know, because they're a bit obvious you know, like all these little witty gags, Now I can almost guess, you know, because there's a pattern to them you know, if Donald Trump makes some sort of pronouncement like he did, I think, yesterday or the day before this China flu, you know ha <laughs> ha! Roll out all the memes. He's calling it China flu, you know, all that sort of stuff. You know, make a lot of jokes about that. You know, what an idiot calling it the China flu. He's just trying to cause trouble. Blah blah. Is he Irish instead of Scottish? And all these sorts of things. You sort of think, you know, low grade, witty. Yeah. You know? Anyway. So we got on these me no, we got onto this um, scenario where let's say for the sake of argument that Donald Trump is making all the right decisions. And, um, and we took that to its logical conclusion and and, and and I thought that if there was another four years and four months of that, then the bureaucracy around decision making in America would alter to um, accommodate the new uh, political habit of the President having first bite at the cherry, first right of refusal on all important decisions, and then Congress uh, picking up, you know, all the less important stuff, you know? And um, and then what would you, you know, rather than, um, you know, Congress being given First right of the of refusal, you know, and then making the wrong decision, and then Donald Trump coming in and giving an executive order to override that. I think you'd have a a shift where um, all important decisions would go up to the president first, and then he would have, you know, he would sort that into two piles. I'll take care. Of, all right, this one, yep, I'll I'll decide on that one. I'll decide on that. I'll decide on that. All right, all right that one to Congress. And what's that one to do with um, waste disposal? Yeah. All right. Congress. Um, and what's this one? Childcare. Congress. Uh, what's this one? War with North Korea. Oh, that's mine. You know? And, and you end up with a, a pile like this for Donald Trump and a pile like this for Congress. And, um, but the point is it's gone to um, the President first. Um, and then the President sorts out what should be dealt with by him and what should be dealt with by Congress before Congress makes the wrong decision. You know? and um and uh, yeah that would be an uh, an alter you know that would be the system altering you know just a slight change of focus isn't it and but it would be the end of the republic the experiment that was the you know the republic of the united states of america and um you would have an empire but then we got on to uh you know with an emperor at the top you know, an emperor donald trump but then you know, you can be too quick to say, oh no, we can't do that, you know, because, you know, that's the death, that's a revolution, isn't it? Even if it's a bloodless revolution, it's a revolution, because you've got a new system, you know, that'd be like getting rid of the Queen in England, you know, um, and, um, but, um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, which is where the dialectic's going at the moment, I haven't, yeah, that's where the texts are up to. We haven't got any further, but you know the Roman Republic it was actually a god damned mess you know for a hundred years leading up to when it when the Republic was put to the sword you know, It was never declared over really at the time, but the republic um you know Rome was racked with civil war and all that sort of stuff um in the last so hundred years of the Republic when Rome turned on itself you know when the Republic turned on itself um and um, and then finally, you know, a great man came along, you know, or well, Julius Caesar, you know, first he's a populist, um, and um, and he appealed directly to the people. Did Julius Caesar? And the senators were a kind of a Democrat mafia sort of arrangement back then, um, you know. And uh, they wanted to keep the you know, the elite system in play, uh, where, you know, just four or five or six families owned all of the Roman Empire. It was still an empire, even though it was a republic. What's in a word, you know? Um, and, um, you know, in Cicero, I've got lots of C- some of Cicero's writings here in the shed somewhere, falling apart, as a lot of my books are. Um, you can just read what he wrote, you know? And uh, and I've got Julius Caesar's writings too. It's funny, two thousand years ago, and you got their writings. We haven't even got that for Jesus. I'm not sure that he was literate. Yeah, I think he would have been. He was a pretty um. He was a he was a proper Jew, so he might have learnt to write. But I think his um, apostles were weren't very literate. But anyway, um, that's a whole other story. But we're talking just before Jesus, and um, um, and um. Anyway, so, you know, Cicero was, you know, argued stridently for the Republic, you know, because it did have some beautiful um, ideals, the Republic. It just wasn't playing out that way. But the idea of the Republic was good. It was just not working out that way in practice, you know. And Cicero said, listen, we need to keep on to the ideals. And just, um, you know, us six families owning all of everything, (laughs) all the wealth... (laughs) Like like a a Democrat. (laughs) Well, Republicans are rich too, but that's a whole other story. Like an establishment person, you know. Donald Trump's rich too, you know. Anyway, uh, capitalism is a different episode. This was mafia back then. But the point is, you could say, Donald Trump is putting the republic at risk. And you kind of say, well, you know, so was Julius Caesar, putting the republic at risk, Huh? In fact, you know, and, and the senators back then were so keen, uh, he was such a risk, you know, appealing directly to the people, they stabbed him. And each senator made sure, each senator had to stab him once each, um, you know, to, to make it formal. So they were all in it, and then they were, they were elated that they had stabbed uh Julius Caesar, a little bit like all the senators these days in Congress or whatever, would be elated if they got a chance to stab um, Donald Trump and they would come out on the steps of Congress and announce it to all the people, which is what um, the senators did back in Julius Caesar's time. We have killed the tyrant who's making all these executive orders, taking our land off us and giving it to the people, which is what Julius Caesar was doing, by the way. And uh, Donald Trump's doing something similar to that. Uh, you know, he's ruining the establishment, you know, and that's what Julius Caesar was doing, wrecking the establishment. He was a disruptor. Um, Now, um, I mean, Donald Trump, personally, I don't think Donald Trump is Julius Caesar's bootstraps, of course. Donald Trump is a better businessman than Julius Caesar was. Julius Caesar was going broke here and there occasionally, but, oh man, as a leader of men, Julius Caesar, one of the greatest military rulers ever, uh, generals ever, you know, top five every time, just unbelievable. You know, he cried when he got to Spain because he was already forty or something, and he would conquered half the known world, and he cried because Alexander not cried, but he, you know, because Alexander had done it by the time he was thirty three. These were superman, you know, I don't think Donald Trump could do anything like that, but Donald Trump, you know he's a risk taker and he's willing to go bankrupt and then win in the end anyway, you know business wise he's capitalism on steroids, that guy um anyway, so you know the argument then becomes not whether it's right or wrong um for Donald Trump to be signing so many executive orders and in that sense. Um, damaging the republic, yeah. Damaging the salt and pepper shaker um, and sugar sugar bowl system, the delicate balance between the different powers in America. You know, the judiciary and the executive and Congress. Yeah, if he's um, damaging that and putting the republic to the sword by signing too many executive orders, he's allowed to sign them, but in the act of signing them, he's damaging the system. You know. And you sort of, and there is an argument to be had, well, well I don't like the system. If you don't like the system, it's not necessarily a bad thing. If